The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard, about, heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which they were, in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and said, and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us that at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word, for your truth. Uh, We pray that you would soften our hearts this morning and that you would speak through Randall and that we would be enlightened and transformed by your word and the gospel this morning. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, good morning, church family. Thank you for joining us online today. Um, As I was getting ready, I was walking out the door and I saw that it started to sprinkle and I'm like, oh my goodness, here it comes, you know? And so it, it brought me back to a couple of weeks ago where we were having the, the rain, but you guys were so flexible with everything. And, and so we find ourselves in that position again today. Uh, so we are going to be diving back into the book of Acts. And uh, before we dive in, uh, I just want to say we got the men's retreat coming up. This week, I'm so excited for it. I think this is going to be one of those like really uh, pivotal, like spiritual growth uh, moments. And so, you know, this is my last pitch. Like to guys out there, if you have that weekend open, you can make space available uh, to get away. I encourage you sign up today. Today's the last day. Uh, But you know, for me, all I can make is suggestions. You make the decision. So you make the decision whether you're going to be there or not. But uh, next week, we're going to be back online again. And uh, we just want to take that time to really uh, just be together as a church family and, um, and, and some men together just challenging each other to grow in the gospel. So uh, today, we're going to be going back in the book of Acts. We're looking at Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 8, uh, or 18. And... Um, In Acts, uh, we've been seeing how God has been moving radically, changing uh, really the landscape of of what people thought uh, about 
who God is and what he was doing in the world. And, and we saw that Jesus rises from the dead. And now we see this gospel message of um, it's, it's about faith in Jesus, not in uh, faith in your own good works, your, your abilities, your strength. But it's, it's very God-centered throughout all of the book of Acts. And, and what we're looking at today is, again, how just God is shaping his church, his people. Um, so our message today is this, a united church, a united church. Uh, now, last week, we looked at an important vision. This is, this is really where, where things start to open up, and, and God is going to change the world. Um, but God brought this vision to Peter. And as we know, Peter, uh, Peter struggles. Peter has those moments of, of not really understanding what God's doing. And, and we see that as he's following Jesus. Like at some moments, he's really excited. Like, okay, here we go, Jesus, we're going to do this. And in other moments, he's timid, he's, he's afraid, he runs away. Um, but uh, we see this moment where this vision comes to him. And it doesn't come to him once or twice, but it comes to him three times. And so we see with Peter, it takes like... A few times to really get it, and, and, and for Peter, today we see that Peter um, had to have his personal uh, sin of prejudice and partiality addressed in his life. Um, and it's going to keep coming back. It comes back in the book of Galatians too, but, but particularly here, he has this moment, this vision, uh, where God brought this into, him, into his life to change him, to show him that that. The, the sin of prejudice and partiality is a, is a really uh, just terrible thing that can destroy uh, the church and what God was doing. And what we see is that this, this, this vision um, it wasn't just for Peter, but it was for the church as a whole. And so we're going to see how it affects the church as a whole today um, in this passage. And so... Uh, there's this quote by Oz Guinness, um, and he's talking about just the church today and, and how do we respond with all of the challenges that we face and all of the division that's happened over the years. And here's what he says. He says, the closer we all are to Jesus, the less significant the labels that divided us. We therefore face a common challenge as followers of Jesus in the advanced modern world. It is, I believe, that we trust in God and his gospel and move confidently out into the world, living for a new Christian renaissance and, and thus challenge the darkness with the hope of Christian faith, believing in an outcome that lies beyond the horizon of all we can see and accomplish today. Now, that, what he's saying here is not, let's throw out doctrine, let's throw out good theology. No, but what he's saying is that the doctrine and the good theology and the truth is in Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And many times we put our faith more in our own labels and the things that we can accomplish and what we've done than what we do in Jesus. And so today he's, he's bringing us back to, okay, what's going to change the world? It's a message that's centered on Christ. And what was it that was going to change Peter and the church, the early church? It was going to be them focusing on Christ, not on their past, not on the labels that they'd carried in their life, but saying, let's put that aside and let's trust in Jesus. And what we see is there's this un unity that God brings that only God can bring. And so, again, our, our text today is Acts 11, 1 through 18. And the question is, what needed to happen for the church to be united around God's vision? Because, again, this wasn't man's vision. This was God's vision of his church and what he's doing in the world. 
So what, what needed to happen? Well, there are three insights that we can take away from today's text. Number one is this. It's addressing personal pride. Addressing personal pride. Number two, seeing God's work. And number three, rejoicing in God. So the three things, addressing personal pride, seeing God's work, and rejoicing in God. So the first one is addressing personal pride. Look at verses one through four. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. So verse four, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. So what's happening here? Well, first it says that the apostles and the believers, they were, they were together, right? It says they were together throughout Judea and they started to hear these stories that not only Jewish believers or even Samaritans were, were receiving Jesus, but Gentiles had also received the word of God. Now, the word that I want you to underline here if you're looking at this text in particular is the word received. They received it. This is the simple message of Christianity. This is the simple message of the gospel. It's this, that in Christianity, being a Christian means that it's not earned, it's received. And not just for certain people, but what they're finding out is that it was for all people. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people. And so with this, comes some criticism, comes some misunderstanding, comes some confusion. And so after hearing this, the, we see that it's, it's not only confusion that starts to, to pop up, but it's pride that starts to pop up. It starts to be revealed. See, look at verses two through three. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, so it was like they were waiting, right? Like in Jerusalem, What's going to happen? Peter's coming. They've heard these stories. It says the circumcised believers criticized him. They criticized him. They said, well, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and, and, and ate with them? You've associated with them? See, like we, we said last week, there, there was laws and, and customs outside of the Bible that were dictating how the Jewish believers lived. This wasn't something that God put into place, but this was something that they put into place. These were practices that they started to practice so that they didn't have to associate with people that they didn't think were clean and, un and fit to be around. They're too much of a temptation to be around. We're not going to be around them. They're unclean. Remember, that was the whole vision that Peter got. It was, was he saw these animals. He says, they, they're unclean. And, and, and God confronts him and says, no, what you say is unclean, I've cleaned. What you say is common, I've made. And so God, is addre he addressed Peter. And now what we're seeing is the same things that were, were guiding Peter's life, were guiding the believers here in Jerusalem. See, what they're saying is, Peter, how could you? We would have never done something like that. See, where does this type of spirit come from? It comes from this pride inside that the ego is just filled up with self. Yeah, maybe you would do that, but I would never do that. 
You ever had that attitude before, or that kind of, that, that, that tone that somebody has with you? Like, I would never do that. And Peter, as he's being confronted with this, he, he, he knows what this is all about. See, God had to bring this about in his life. God had to show this and reveal it to him because he'd struggled with it firsthand. See, but God, before he could send the Gentiles into the church, he had to clean the church of this pride. He, he had to confront it in a way where they understood that this was wrong. Because what would have happened if the, the, the people that were just saved, these Gentiles like Cornelius and his house, were sent into a church where they were looked down upon like that? Where they were looked at as, as lesser than? Where they were looked at as, as, as those people that, that really didn't get it? It would have caused all types of chaos. See, God is cleaning this very toxic ideology from the church. It wasn't just from Peter, it was from the church. See, pride comes in many forms. There's parental pride, you know, like I, I'd, I'd never do that as a parent. I remember I had parental pride. I'd look at parents before I was a parent. I'd say, man, I would have never, how could they have done that? How could they, have, you know, like why are they making those decisions? Sometimes it happens, it's like, well, I'm, we're going to homeschool our kids, and so everybody should do that, or, you know, public school, everybody should do that, or private school, everybody should do that, and so there's this pride that starts to come. I saw recently a friend told me, uh, he, said, um, he said, my goal for my kids this whole time, it's been for, 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 for me to be proud of them. He says that was the wrong focus. He said, my focus has shifted from being, wanting to be proud of my kids for them wanting to glorify God. That's the focus of what they should have been. But it was like this whole time he was focused on, well, I just, want, I just want to be proud of my kids instead of I just want my kids to glorify God. See, but he was confronted with pride and he admitted it. There's marital pride. Well, that, that couple's really struggling, but we would never go through something like that, or we don't really wrestle with things like that. Work pride, man, that person over there, they're a mess. You know, like, well, you know, I would never have those kind of problems. See, see, there are all different types of pride that grow in our lives. And what it is is it's a self-righteousness where we're covering ourselves and making ourselves feel better than another person. See, pride is an unwillingness to look at our own personal sin in an attempt to cover ourselves with something that we think is valuable. And so what we see here is these believers in Jerusalem were covering themselves with, well, we're just following the, the laws of, of Abraham. You know, we, we were circumcised and they weren't, and so we're better than them, and so we're going to cover ourselves with, with the things that we've done. That can't be in the church. And so this, this was happening even, even in the church of Jerusalem. And, and James, who is one of the, the main leaders in Jerusalem, brother of Jesus, says this in James 4, 1 through 2, because he saw it. It was still creeping up. 
He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't, don't they come from desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And what we find is that these believers, and like many of us, when we have these issues with our pride, is we don't ask God about it. We don't ask God. We just ask ourselves, how am I feeling? What am I doing? What, what should I do? How can I make myself feel better? See, God must cleanse this pride from his people before the Gentiles enter into the church. See, because this sinful pride, it can cause chaos. And so what's next? Well, we see that God's working it's God's work. God's doing this. Look at verses 15 through 16. As I, begin to, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so the, 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 the believers in Jerusalem come to Peter. They're questioning him. They've got all of these things. They're criticizing him about what, what decisions he made. But what he's getting back to is this. It wasn't me. I didn't do this. I didn't get, our, I didn't get us to this place that, for the church because it wouldn't have been my decision. It was actually much bigger than me because ultimately we're all accountable to God. See, what's happening here? Well, Peter is explaining what happened to him in the vision. When he gets this vision, as he's praying, he's talking about as he goes to Cornelius' house, and he starts to listen to Cornelius, and Cornelius got this vision, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes. He's pointing to the source of the whole event and why this happened. Daryl Bach, who's a commentator, says, Peter's point is that God directed the entire event and that this divine blessing has come to the Gentiles without them being circumcised. See, this is really important here. It doesn't really translate well to our culture today. But I, I want to tell us that this is very important for us to understand. See, what, what, was, what was God doing? Well, first he was removing the us versus them. The us versus them. And showing them that they were actually on the same team. In many ways, this was only something that God could do. Because verse 15 says this. The Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us. Right? So there's a them. There's a us. The Holy Spirit came on them and us and brought us together. There's no more us. There's no more them. We're all the same. God was receiving his children just as much as the us and the them. Now we're one. But second, it's this, that God reminds Peter of Jesus' words. See, what's happening here is as Peter is recounting all of this, it's starting to click in his mind. You ever had those moments before where you, you, you might have been opposed to something at first, but then you start to think about it and you're like, whoa, there's this. There's this, there's this, there's this. God is just lining all of these things up and bringing it all together in a way that 
it didn't really make sense to me at first, but now as I start to think about it, it does. And for Peter, it was the words of Jesus that started coming to his mind. And here's what it says. It says in verse 16, Then he remembered the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Here's what he had to understand. Here's what you and I need to understand. It's not about our plan coming through. It's about God's plan coming through. It's about surrendering, submitting to what God's doing, not saying, hey, look at what I want to do. And this is where Peter has gotten to personally. Right? He's starting to see that it's God's work, not his own. See, everything was directed by God. God had chosen the Gentiles not because of anything they did. Because, again, they weren't circumcised like the Jewish believers. They weren't even at a place where, where, where they had, had been baptized yet. It was pure grace. It was pure grace. Right? It says later, as the Holy Spirit came on them, they responded in faith and they were baptized. But it wasn't any of the things that they did that made them acceptable to God other than faith in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes. And the third point is this, rejoicing in God. Verse 17 through 18. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. So, what do we see here? There's a rejoicing in God. See, as they've been confronted with, oh, wow, these critical spirit, this critical spirit that I had, the pride that filled, filled us up, like, and as we started to actually listen, we started to listen to the story, we started to rejoice in what God was doing. See, and here's what we see. It says this, because, number one, it says, as they were rejoicing, they realized that God gave. They said, if God gave them the same gift, who's the distributor of the gifts? It's God. Who's the one that brings light in the darkness? It's God. Who's the one who opens eyes and ears? It's God. And what they were realizing was that God was at work in a way that they had to just praise God for. Right? God gave away. That's the second part. It's just that God gave away. Look, he says this. He says, uh, Peter says, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand in God's way. God's going to do what he's going to do, and I don't want to be in his way, but I want to be in the stream of what he's doing, and that's where Peter's at. He's saying, I, I want to be in the stream of what God's doing. I don't want to be opposed to what God's doing. Who am I? See, there's a humility that's broken over Peter here, and there's a humility that's breaking over the believers here. Romans 11.33 says this, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Right? It's talking about, again, how lofty and great and glorious God is. His thoughts, his ways, so much farther than ours. And so for us, we can rejoice in God knowing that his way is much better than our way. 
Lastly, it's this, that God grants. He says, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Even to Gentiles. Like fill in the blank there. Even to who? God granted repentance that leads to life. Who is it for you in that, that little blank there? Uh, there's no way, but, but even to this person, God could give grace. God could give repentance. Because it's in that place that we're going to find what grace really is. As hard as it is, that's where we're going to find where grace really shines through. Randy Alcorn once said, he says, the hardest part about grace, swallowing our pride and saying, I don't deserve this any more than that criminal does. I don't deserve this any more than that criminal does. I don't deserve this any more than that person that is my enemy does. I don't deserve it. Right, because what that does is it, it, it drives us to the dust, right? Like we, we're like, there's, there's no way. Like how could I stand before this holy God? But we find that this, this God who loves us so much lifts us to the skies. Right, that's who he is. And he takes the worst of us and lifts us up. And so that's worth rejoicing over. That, that the, 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 the people group that they thought would, would never, ever be reached with the gospel has been reached. And now God is uniting them as a family, brothers and sisters. And so just some takeaways today as we really think on this text. And what does it mean for our lives? Well, the first one is this. Pride is deceptive. It's deceptive. I had, a, I had a sit down conversation with my kids last night. We were talking about this as a family. I said, hey, here's the thing. Isn't it so much easier to point out the flaws in other people? Isn't it so much easier to point out the things that your brother or sister are doing wrong? Isn't it so much easier to point the finger at mom and dad and say, you should do this or you should do that? Isn't it so much easier to do that and not really look in the mirror and, and look at ourselves? Right? We were having that family conversation last night. Pride is super deceptive. Winston Churchill uh, once had this painting done when he was 80 years old on his 80th birthday. It was uh, painted by a, name, a man named Graham Sutherland. And when he saw it, he found it deeply disturbing and hated it and eventually had it destroyed. And he said it looked nothing like him. But people who actually saw it were like, actually, it does. It looks a lot like him. <laughs> but it was too realistic for him to look at. See, the thing is, is that our pride is so deceptive that we want to avoid the truth at all costs. And what God does is he brings the truth to us in a loving way that helps us to understand that the way that we're thinking or believing or, or what we're doing is not in accordance to his ways. See, the believers at the time, they had to be addressed with this pride and they couldn't dodge it anymore. Like the way that they were thinking about the, the Gentiles, it had to end. And so I have some questions that I want us to think on and, and we could take it as a pride test today, but I just want you to really think on these as we, we uh, go through them. But I'm going to read some different questions and I want you to process and say, 
Have I struggled with that or am I struggling with this now? The first one is this. Do you need to be the center of attention? Right? Do you need to be the center of attention? We got to be honest with ourselves. Do you get jealous or critical when others succeed? Do you always have to be first or win? Do you have a pattern of lying? Right? The reason we lie is because we're trying to cover up and act like we're more righteous than we are. Do you have a hard time admitting that you're wrong? Do you have a lot of drama in your life? The drama might not be because of you necessarily. That might not be the case. That might not be your pride. But, but if it's a pattern, good. Do you have to take or do you have a hard time giving credit to others? Do you get mad when others don't acknowledge your accomplishments? Do you feel thankful that the things that you have in your life uh, are from God and that you really don't deserve it? It's all a gift. Do you have trouble taking personal responsibility for problems in your life? Right? A lot of these things can be where pride can creep in. And it can sneak in, in in ways where we wouldn't even want to admit it. And we want to take that picture and just put it to the side and say, go destroy it. But we got to look in. And that's the thing about the Word of God, the Bible. As we look at it, it's going to address it. The second part is this, that God is ultimate. The thing is, I love Peter's question. Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Who am I to think that I can stand in God's way? Right? That's a great question. That, that's a question where he understands that God is ultimate. He's supreme. He's superior. He's king. Who am I to stand in God's way? That is the path toward humility. And so today, uh, we need to ask that question of, of who am I to stand in God's way in my own life? C.S. Lewis once said, in God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. As long as you're looking down, you can't see something that's above you. And so today, as we see God working, right, in the lives of the early believers here, he's showing them that he's superior. And they're coming in contact with the real God. See, the unity and expansion of the church was driven by God, not by man. God is the one who builds his church, and it's through his conviction that he leads us to reach beyond ourselves beyond ourselves and so the last one is this grace is astounding see what brought the people to the point of worshiping and praising god ultimately it's grace it's grace it's god's unexpected gift that he could love us like that jerry bridges once said he says to live by grace is to live solely by the merit of jesus christ to live by grace is to base my entire relationship with god including my acceptance and standing with him on my union with christ the early believers had to come back again and again to the reality that they were saved by grace 
They didn't have anything to offer the God of the universe. They didn't have anything that could say, look, this makes me right before you because here's what I did. No, it was solely on the union with what Christ had done. And here's the the thing, friends. It's not just in the New Testament. It's not just in the book of Acts that we see this. This is all the way back throughout the whole Bible. See, the cross covers past, present, future. It covers it all. See, it's the cross of Jesus Christ that just flows into eternity and that we hold tightly to and we see that 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 story never gets old. See, what is it that ultimately unites us? Ephesians 2, 11 through 13 tells us really clearly what that is. It says, therefore, remember. He's talking to the Ephesians here who were Gentiles. At one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the un called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the hands by flesh. Remember that you were at one at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of of Christ. You know what's going to bring you near to God? It's not going to be pride. It's not going to be self-righteousness. It's not going to be more motivation in saying, hey, look at me. Look at how good I can be, God. Or even to those around you saying, hey, look at all the things that I've accomplished or I can do. But it's also not beating yourself up and saying, look at how terrible I am. Look at woe is me. No. It's all of us coming together, united on the person and work of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us because it's in Jesus that all the dividing walls have been torn down and now we're brothers and sisters because of what Christ has done. And so let's not get in the way of what God's doing, but let's get in the stream and say, God, your will be done. Your will be done. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the way that you're working. We pray, Lord, that today you will speak to us wherever we're at. Um, home, driving, wherever it might be that there are those that are listening to this right now. But knowing that, God, it's important that we're together as a family. It's to, get, to be together is a gift of your grace. And to see the walls that, that are broken down because of what Jesus has done. That we can be not only friends, but we can be brothers and sisters. I thank you for that grace, Lord. And help us to, to not look on ourselves and say, here's what I've done. But to look on everything that Jesus has done and just be in awe of the miracle of your grace. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.